Well, it's good to be back and uh, appreciate your prayers. We had a great vacation at the beach and duck and appreciate Sam wherever he is for uh, taking over the pulpit duties and he preached a wonderful, challenging sermon. Uh, we had a great time. It was, um, I feel like it was, something was just a little off, so I'm probably going to have to go back next week and uh, <laughs> see, see what was missing. But um, no, we had a we had a, a wonderful time, and it's it's always a um, it's a joy to know that church doesn't hinge on just one person. Everything just keeps going. It's God's God's people, and one person can go here, another person can go there, and and, and Christ is the head of the church. But um, I want to just say something before we venture in. And uh, a lot of you guys don't know Danny. I, I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just going to tell a little story that you don't even know because you were too little. But Danny, Danny's family was one of the original families at New Covenant Fellowship. And um, his mom was a dear sister, Becky. And uh, Danny was, Danny's always been big. He's never been small. He was born big. He's been big ever since. But he was probably the jolliest baby that I have ever known. He just wore a smile on his face. The world was his playground. And uh, so one time we were at the pavilion. I don't know if it was for pig picking or just a meal or something. We were at the pavilion, and Danny's crawling around like he usually does, loving life. And somehow he gets on the top of a picnic table, and he falls. And I think he pretty – and he's just – Barely enough to crawl up on it. I think he landed on his head or something. And everybody that saw it's just waiting. You know what happens when a baby falls. You're just waiting for that blood-curdling scream. And Danny just was dazed for just a half a second, rolls over and gets up smiling. Never, never <laughs> lost a smile on his face. So I'll never forget that, that memory. Keep that smile and that joy in your heart. So we are uh, looking at our covenant class material for our communion Sundays. And so we'll listen to a sermon and then we will worship the Lord a little bit more and offer our praise to him and his holiness. And then we'll come together as the saints of God and rally around the Lord's Supper in remembrance of him. In our covenant class material, we're just looking at things. What does it mean to be a church? What do you have to believe to be, be considered to be a Christian? And what's so unique about Christianity? And all of that is in our covenant class material. And we've looked at the doctrine of God. And we've looked at the doctrine of Holy Scriptures. And a few other things, the Holy Spirit. But right now, we've just kind of camped in the doctrine of the church. And I'm spending a little more time in the doctrine of the church because it's a little more practical to us. But I think it's also something that just is kind of misunderstood these days. It's not as emphasized or understood as it should be. And so I want to make sure that we understand properly the nature and the purpose of a church and our place in it. What does it mean? And so we looked, we defined the church, we, we saw that the church is a communion or, or the gathering or community of all true believers of all time. And so although we do church here in person, the, the church is also in heaven for those that have gone before us. There will be the church that comes after us. So, and there's the church in the Old Testament. Anybody who has properly or truly believed in God or Christ throughout time. 
We also wrestled with the word ekklesia, the the Greek word for church. And to probably understand the church, we look at that word and we see that in God's mind, the church are his people that have been called, but also gathered. So the, the, it's, the, the gathering is where we get our idea of doing community together. So we're not just called individually to worship Christ. We do have an individual, personal relationship with God. But with, also we are called into a family that God has made, that God has designed and God has created. So a very crucial and important part of Christianity is doing life as Christians together. And that's how we are a witness to the world. We're a witness to the world. God uses his church and his people as we gather, as we relate according to how scripture instructs us. We are a light and a witness to the world. Also made note of the fact that kind of came out during our COVID experience that there are many non-believers that do not look at the church or view the church as non-essential. It's a non-essential part of our lives. And sad to say, many Christians look at the church as non-essential. And if that's the case, it's just a wrong understanding of the church. So I've been taking my time and wrestling with different perceptions of the church. We even looked at uh, considering the church, is, is it a building or is it the people of God and What's the difference and what, what's the importance? And we know that the church is not about the building. It's about people's hearts. It's about the worshiper and his God. It's about God building his kingdom, enlightening our hearts and our minds and conforming us to the image of Christ. But in a practical sense, it is about a place because in order for us to come together and meet God, we have to meet him in a place. And so there's always been this place where people meet God, whether it's an altar that they set up in the Old Testament, whether it's the temple in the Old Testament where people gathered from, the, from without the promised land to the temple to worship God. There's, it's a place where we meet God. This is our building. This is our place where we do life together as the church of Christ. It's our place where we meet with God. I was sad to read, talking about the church being non-essential, I was sad to read some of these statistics about church. And Christianity Today reported that the the faithful church attenders, these are the people that are diehard faithful, post-COVID has declined 6%. Uh, Pew Research um, gave the percentage as 9%. And I heard someone else say this, just for generally speaking, not faithful, but generally speaking, churchgoers, it has declined approximately 20% since COVID. And, you know, now that, and, and these people have not returned, but churches are wide open now. So it's not an issue of COVID restrictions. Now it just plain old comes right down to our hearts and our understanding of who God is and how important it is to do life together as he designed it. Someone said COVID, it's like COVID stopped the church's momentum and it has to start up again. I thought that was a good way to put it. So this is one of the reasons that I'm spending a little extra time in addressing and understanding the nature and the purpose of the church. 
And I think that in today's culture, even among Christians, simply put, the church is undervalued. The church is way undervalued. And undervalued is, a, is an investor's term. And if you get into investments in the stock market, if a stock is undervalued, it means that in real life, in real time, say this stock is actually worth every bit of $100, but for whatever reason, it's selling at 50 It's undervalued. It might be that uh, people don't really understand what this company does, a very successful company, but they don't understand how successful, how important. Or maybe there are some rumors out there about the company that aren't true that cause people to be hesitant to invest in it. Or maybe it's misinformation or not enough information, but for whatever the reason, the stock should be selling at 100 but it's only selling at 50 And that's what the, the wise investors want to see. The wise investors want to see these, find these stocks so that they can get them at a good price because then they, be, they make bank. They make good, good value. And I think the church is undervalued in, in that sense. For whatever reason, the church is undervalued because it, in God's eyes, this is what lasts forever. The church. It's the people that he has redeemed. His love for us is eternal. His work in us will, will go on forever and ever. His, his goal for us, his desire for us to love him and to love one another, it doesn't end with this life. It just gets better in, to the next. This church, it's, it's vital, it's important to God, and therefore it should be important to us. I was looking at uh, the bulletin. I don't know if I have one up here, but it was uh, the, royal, the scripture from the royal treasury was out of Isaiah, and it had something that said something to the effect of, uh, I am your Lord, your God, and I give you instruction. It's right in the bulletin, but uh, I, I tell you what is good for you. I instruct you in ways that are good for you. And so when we look at God's commands and, and encouragements, they're not just, you have to do this because I want you to do it. God is God and he's sovereign, and we do need to obey him for that reason. But he, he's a good God, and what he tells us to do is also good for us. It's good for him, and it's good for us. And we want to wrap our heads around that. So when we, just like in stocks, when we invest in the right thing, we become greatly enriched, spiritually enriched. We begin to, to get the freedoms, to gain the freedoms that we need to do life as God would have us to do. So I think finding a sweet spot in the church is very, very important. We don't want our view of God's church to be undervalued. And I think we would all be wise to invest in God's people, invest in each other to the glory of God. So we want to have a proper understanding and value of the church so we will profit in that way. Honestly, these, um, the scriptures that I've read and the sermons I've had to kind of prepare and, and dig back into an understanding of the church, it's, in, it's enriched me. And, you know, scripture's interesting because you can study a topic, say, t- if you're old enough, 10 years ago or 20 years ago and 
think you've grasped it. But the world changes and people's attitudes change. So when I really dug into church in Bible college and then when I became a pastor, um, it was different. The challenges were different when I first became a pastor. The, the view of what church is about in the body of Christ has, has changed. And so there are new challenges. Scripture hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. But people has changed. So I'm, I'm always glad to be refreshed by God's holy word in studying any topic. Worshippers. You are God's worshippers. And we are here to worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus made that clear. It's not so much about the location but the heart, right? We won't worship. The day's coming when you won't worship on this mountain or that mountain. But you will worship in spirit and truth. So understanding these things, I think, will enable us maybe to tighten our grip, uh, to align properly or align our view of ourselves and God because... Uh, If you're here, church is important to you. You're here to seek the Lord. So the topic I want to tackle or address this morning, that's important, but it's also very, very relevant, and I believe will help us in our pilgrimage or our journey. And I want to consider this morning what it means to be a member of the church in regards to responsibilities. So if I say I go to this church or that church or I I am a member of the church, I am a a Christian, what does that mean for me personally? Does that mean that there are things required of me if I'm not a pastor or a leader or an elder or or a teacher of any kind? What, What does that look like for me personally? What does it mean for me if God calls me to gather with you? What does that mean? Are there expectations? Are there ways that God would have me act, serve, think? Sometimes as we think about what should be happening, and I'm going to talk not just about church services, but the church as a whole. We do we don't just meet on Sundays. We do life together in other ways, whether it's care group or, or different kinds of meetings or even just friendships. We do life together, work on projects together, serve each other. So I'm thinking of it in, in the big terms, not just on a Sunday service. But what do we think of when we, when we attend a Sunday service? Is attending church or being a member of a church, is it kind of like... Being invited to go to a wedding where you get to witness an important event and a grand event and you get to celebrate in what's happening. Perhaps you'll listen to some good music. Usually there's good food, maybe even some joyful dancing there. But you're there and you've been invited to witness this great event and you leave a, a, a gift for the couple to help them on their way or you come to church and you witness this great event, you leave a gift in the offering plate to help the church keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Is going to church like another day of work? And people talk about, I went to church and now I'm all refreshed, but 
You go to church and all you do is serve, and so you go home exhausted. What is it supposed to look like? Do we, are we spectators? Are we participants? What is it supposed to, or, or is it everything in between? Well, these are things we have to wrestle with this. If we're believers, we have to wrestle with what it looks like for us to be a member, to be a part of the body of Christ. Do I have to do certain things, or is it all just my own choosing or volunteerism? So I've coined it like this. Are there actual responsibilities that we have, or anything that I do, is it strictly on my terms as volunteerism? We have to understand this. We have to ask ourselves and answer that question at some point on our journey as God's gathered people. If we view the church, our attendance, our service, as something that is optional, it's, it's not intentional, then we will find that we don't feel a lot of personal responsibility. There are events that I attend, there are things that I do that I can go, and I am not invested, and I do not feel a lot of personal responsibility for these events. Uh, if we view the church as a consumer, it's a product we're paying for, we're paying for the, the worship experience or the feelings, we're, we're paying for the information, so in order to be equipped, then it's more of a product and we will not feel personally obligated perhaps to participate. If we view the church as something that we're not personally responsible for in any way, then it will not be as valuable to us because we haven't taken personal ownership over it. If we view the church as I have the choice whether or not I participate in anything and so anything I do, anytime I step up to the plate, I've done a great thing and I feel good about myself because I've done something that I, I didn't even have to do, then we might have a wrong perception of God and what it means <clears throat> to serve the Lord. So is it participation or responsibility? I think to help us understand this question in our place, I'm just going to look at one scripture. There's a lot of scriptures, but we, we're limited in time. So Romans 12.1, I love how the Apostle Paul, he's addressing the church of Rome, the Christians in Rome, and he gets towards the end of his book in chapter 12 in the first verse, and then he says, Therefore, my dear brothers, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship is what my version says. Yours may say your spiritual act uh, or your spiritual service. And I, I love the, the platform. I love how the Apostle Paul views what, what we do with ourselves when we become Christians. You know, what do we do with this new life that God has given us? What is required of us? And he uses temple um, terminology. The pagans offered sacrifices to their gods to receive mercy. 
They offered sacrifices in the hopes of receiving some kind of mercy. Christians offer sacrifices to God as a response to having received mercy. In in the Christian faith, what makes it unique is that God came down. Christ, God through Christ did the work to bring us to God. So anything that we have, any spiritual life, anything good from God, it's a gift, it's undeserved, it's mercy on his part. And the Apostle Paul uses that backdrop, if you will, to, to help us find our place in what it means to serve him. So anything we do when we make our sacrifice to God now, it's not to gain his favor or hopefully maybe now my life will, or my stock, my portfolio will go up or I'll get this new thing or this job. We've already received the mercy. So our lives are an expression of responding to the proper knowledge or doctrine of the mercy that we have received because God sent his son to pay the price for our sins so that we can live for him freely and be relieved of our guilt. And the requirement, of course, we were created to give God our body, our mind, our soul, our whole being. We were created so that our whole beings would be an expression of worship. Not just sitting in church, but doing life. This is just one aspect. Sitting here is one aspect or one way to worship God, to offer our bodies and our minds, our hearts, our soul, the whole package, our whole being to offer them to God. We also do it as we work. We do it as we lead our families. We do it as husbands, as wives, as children. As whatever lot God has or ways that God has provided for us to serve him, we worship him driving down the road. All of this, all of life for us is an opportunity to serve and worship God because he redeemed all that we are. So he has, he has given us spiritual life. We were dead without Christ. So what do we do with it? We offer our bodies as living sacrifices to him. Holy and pleasing. It's a response. It's a, an expression of how grateful we are for what God has given us. So you see... In order to offer our bodies or the, to the degree or the level, we have to have this firm understanding of what Christ has done for us. That's what I think is so special about this verse because it's all in view of God's mercy. You're not working to gain what you already have. It's an expression of what God has given us. So the more grateful we are, the more we understand what God has redeemed us from and saved us from, then the more earnest or eager we will be to serve him in whatever way he has called us. We're all unique. We don't serve God in the same exact same way. That's why he's given us a variety of gifts and talents, spiritual, natural, because there are a lot of different needs. And so to fill all those different needs, we need different people of different skills and talents. Some people that can make fast decisions. Some people that need to think things over, some people that jump in. So there's just a lot of different personalities and gifts and all this, and God uses all of these things, passionate hearts, to serve him. So when a sacrifice was being offered in the temple in the Old Testament, 
it was animal sacrifice and it was slaughtered and but it was offered to God so so the idea is that this is fully God's now now if you're an animal and you're slaughtered there's no go you don't walk off the altar you're you're fully God's forever and that's the idea that Paul's giving us here as we we bring ourselves to the altar we've offered ourselves to God as a sacrifice we belong to him forever but we're living sacrifices so we just keep coming we keep we keep giving we keep worshiping with the life that he has given us we belong fully to God see God has given himself to us fully in Christ God did not hold anything back so we give ourselves fully to God in response over and over and over again. And I mentioned before that it's our spiritual or reasonable worship. That word is better understood as service. It's reasonable, Paul says, in view of God's mercy. If we have the proper proper view, if we're standing on the proper platform and we have the right view, we're seeing the life in the right way, then it's reasonable for us to offer our bodies to him. makes perfect sense to offer ourselves to the Lord. And again, we serve him in all areas, our family, uh, in our careers, wherever God has us, in church. Church is not the only avenue to worship the Lord. We worship in all all the things that we do. The challenging thing, as we read Scripture and God tells us how to worship Him in our different roles and entities, the challenge is, how do we do that without them competing with each other? So if we have responsibilities at home, we have responsibilities at church, if we're going to land there, yes, I have responsibilities, uh, and in our job, how do we balance those things? I would say that God did not design the church or design the family or design the, the workplace to be in competition with each other, to make us miserable. He didn't design three different things so that we could serve one and be miserable about the two, and that's my life. You've got to serve this one. Well, the other two are neglected. Now what do I do? So I've wrestled with that my whole Christian life. Is how do you, but how do you do this? If you, if you want to be a good family man, you've got to put all your time into that. But, but then God calls us over here to the church. And, but I need a career and to, and to worship and to, be, to, to, to bless society with whatever gifts or talents that he's given me. And to provide and so forth. And there's, it seems to be in constant tension. There's a wrestling here. And I've, I've really never understood. I know that God doesn't, didn't design these things to be intention. Like, like for me to tell you, you have responsibilities at church. I'm not telling you you don't have responsibilities at other places. And I am not telling you to neglect any responsibility that God has given you. But we have these responsibilities. I think the closest thing to an answer, Lisa and I wrestled with this weeks ago, but the closest thing that I, that I have come up with to an answer to why does it seem like there's tension in these areas? I think it's because we were also designed to be dependent on God. We're not God. And so 
Like every day we need to wrestle and to seek God. Lord, I have an opportunity to do this. Now what do I do? Or this came up. What do I do about these things on my calendar? Or my children need me. Or my parents need me. So what about, you know, it, it, life is about wrestling and finding God in these things, seeking God in these things. There is a way. And God brings peace to our heart. But he doesn't just roll out the scroll and tell us all the plan in advance and how it works out so that we just go off and do our own thing. And it is this struggling that makes us stronger. And a lot of times we shake our fists like, why are you bringing all these things into my life? Don't you know how tired and weird? I'm not God, you're God. Yeah, I know, but you need to work. You need to strive in order to grow spiritually strong. So things get difficult, and it's a daily struggle. It's just, why do you go to the gym? Do you go to the gym so that you can feel miserable? You may feel miserable if you go to the gym. But the idea is, no, I'm, I'm feeling miserable right now, and I hate this, and I'm about to throw up. But when I'm done, my body's going to love me. You're helping yourself live a better life by taking care of yourself. So the struggles that we endure when we think about, well, how can I participate in church with all the responsibilities I have? You have to work that out with God, but work it out and hammer it out. You will because you're going to have to seek him. You're not going to have all the answers. I keep looking for that time in life where the challenges will back off, and I haven't found it yet. You know, you have kids and you think, man, when my kids get out of diapers, what am I going to do with all my free time? I won't have to change diapers anymore. You don't have free time. My kids graduate and they leave the house. You don't have any free time. It's just you just keep life moves on. There's a lot to do for the Lord. And it is, as Isaiah says in the Royal Treasury Scripture, all these principles and instructions, it's for our good. It's for our good. Deuteronomy ten twelve. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And we do this in view of God's mercy. All the instructions. And that view is very important. Because when we do these things in view of God's mercy, it keeps us from falling into certain traps. And one of the traps it keeps us from falling into is that, well, you know what? I don't really feel like I have anything to offer. I see people serving this way, or they got spiritual gifts, or they have all these natural talents, and I, I, I'm in the church, but I don't have anything to offer. That's not true when we do things in view of God's mercy. God has called all of us for a purpose and to serve him in unique, distinct ways. We're not supposed to be like exactly like each other, cookie cutter. Because... Life is complex, and so every person in the church has a place and a purpose before God, and it is equally important. 
There's no like a lot of times we think of there's there's ways to serve God that are behind the scenes. There's a lot that takes place in any given church or ministry that is behind the scenes. We we had no idea what's going on, but it's nothing is behind the scenes with God. He sees it all. There's no such thing as a behind the scenes with God. So yesterday, Lisa and I just decided to uh, come up here and go for a walk in the evening when it got a little cooler and we get here and there's Michelle's van here because she's probably doing the bulletin, I'm guessing. She's serving in that way. Nobody knew. I would have never known that if I didn't happen to be here. And behind me comes the Hill family. And they, they crawl out of their big vehicle to come and to clean the church so it can be nice for us when we come here on Sunday. There's, there's a lot of activity that happens, but all of those things are necessary for us to do church as we do it. There are so many different opportunities and ways to serve. And they're all beautiful gifts from God. Romans 12.1 gives us this, this mindset that enables us to accomplish whatever it is that God is, through the Holy Spirit, urging us to do. And, a lot, and, and if, if God is urging us to do something, it's because it will make us a more delightful person, a better person. It's for our own good as well. It's exactly what we need. And we might, we might resist it like that workout. But that workout is exactly what we need in our lives, actually for our overall better well-being. All these things that God brings into our lives, as miserable as they may seem or hard as they may seem, are not just for his glory, but he gets glory in our overall well-being because he's redeeming us to think different, to enjoy the things that come from his hand instead of resisting them. So we present ourselves to him to serve him on the basis of his mercy. Let me just um, give you a quote. This is out of our covenant class material. So another word we'll search in vain to find in scripture is volunteer. The word volunteer makes it sound like Christians have an option whether or not to serve. But the Lord speaks to believers in terms of responsibilities and in terms of obligations based on that which he has invested and empowered into them. So the use of our natural or spiritual gifts should be a joyful responsibility and a reasonable, Scripture uses that word, reasonable service. We are to serve with the strength God gives us for the good of others. So we have to wrestle with that. We have to wrestle with the responsibilities and God calling us uh, into a particular group of people, a place where we meet God together and then do life outside of the church walls together. What does that look like for us? As we think about all that goes into us being able to even come together. So today we have a fellowship meal. That means somebody has to do some serving, right? You have Many of you have already prepared food. It's in the back. You've served in that way. Some will 
move the chairs, set up tables, people in the kitchen getting utensils. You know, the body comes together. Each person does his part so that we can enjoy fellowship and a meal together. That can only take place through us serving one another, looking at one another in a certain way, and valuing the church that God has given us and called us to be a part of. So, we have personal responsibilities and we have corporate or church responsibilities. And we need to plan for both of those things. When we value things, if you look at your calendar, those are the things that are the most important to you. You've taken the time to put them on there unless you're the person that just puts them on there and ignores them. If you put them on there, that's what you want your life to look like whether you realize it or not. So it's all a matter of prioritizing our time, our resources, and investing in what's important to God. And God says what's important to him is for our good, for our growth, for our well-being. As your leaders, we know both sides. We know we have to wrestle with this all the time. We have the things that come across our, our desk or our paper, and this needs to be done, and this needs to be done, and there's, there's neglect here, and, and, and there's so many things, and there's just a few of us as leaders, and how do we wrestle with all, you know, how do we get all this done? Some things have to be left to the side, but we strive to work and lead within our means. And we're not striving uh, to be a mega church and act like we're a mega church. We're, we're a country church and we're a kingdom outpost. And I think we have a big footprint because we have an influence all over the world. But as far as our meeting place, we're small. We have to work within our means. We consider you. We consider uh, your lifestyle, how busy you are, where you are in life. And we try not to create a church full of grumpy, guilty people because we're not doing enough. We don't want that. That's not God's design. So it's Paul's desire that we consider our lives in view of the mercy of God. Look what God has given us, everything that we have, even the times when we walked away from him, even the times when we weren't obedient, even the times when he urged us to do this or do that and we neglected to do it. God's love is constant and his calling is constant and he still desires to use us and all these things that you see are opportunities, all the needs in this church and the ministries that we are a part of, all the needs are opportunities for us to express our gratitude to God for the mercy that he has extended on us. Now you know that we are a small church, but we're a busy church. There's a lot that's going on. You look at, I look at my calendar. There's, every week there's just thing after thing. And that's what's required. If you think about the Old Testament, in order to come there, as the people came from the land, they came, you had people serve. You had the priesthood that God established. You had people, the choir that was established. You had people that set up, people that cleaned up, places to put 
all the, the temple furniture. There was a lot of maintenance that took place in order for them to come and meet with God. And it's the same thing with any congregation and gathering. It's the same thing with this church. There are things that need to be done. So how do we answer this important question? Is it responsibility or volunteerism when it comes to being a part of a church? And my answer is you have the responsibility to volunteer. You have the responsibility to volunteer in view of God's mercy. That's what keeps it from becoming the trap of a guilt trip or the trap of of competition. It's for God. We're serving God. It keeps it from becoming self-centered or people-centered. We're serving God and then we benefit from each other's service to God. So we have a responsibility. That's our challenge. We have a responsibility to volunteer if we can meet needs and see needs. Scripture speaks about these things. And that's between you and God and how you're going to do that. So seek the Lord and be encouraged. And we have what we have because you have taken ownership. You have taken responsibility. That's why we can meet. We have people in the sound booth. We have people in the back People all over the place serving us in different ways. It's because they're taking personal responsibility to see that God is exalted and that his people are edified and that people are evangelized. So no matter what direction the culture goes in these matters, we're called to this, to take up our cross, to follow Christ. You know... When it comes to church, church is bigger than we are. And we are in way over our heads. If you ever think about the responsibility of church, we are in way over our heads. But Christ is the head of the church. And so his plan will come to fruition because as Noah reminded us, God is just splendid. He's, he's a glorious being and all of our hope is in Christ our hope of glory not in ourselves and our own abilities these are just opportunities for us and he who has begun a good work in us he will bring it to completion so we are God's work God's construction site orange cones all over the place and flags And the life that we do and the life that we will do here this morning together, do it in view of God's mercy. May God bless the preaching of his word.